0: If you have a Bible, turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 1 and chapter 2. Uh, Tonight we want to look at Saul's death. It's going to bring it back to David. David's anointing. Remember, David was anointed as a boy at Jesse's house, his dad's house. But now he's anointed king before the people. And then we're going to see the beginning here of the division in Israel. When we get into the kings, you will definitely see it. You have the northern kingdom. You have the southern kingdom. And uh, it was a struggle. It it was a pain. Uh, There's a civil war. Think about that. It it had to have grieved the heart of God. These are his people. And and even tonight you're going to see a a little battle uh, between uh, the two generals. But they don't fight. It's it's their men that fight. And, And it was fighting to the death. And it's amazing that these guys would do that. And God allows these things. Uh, You know, if you want to do your sin, you want to do uh, the things that you like to do, God's going to allow you. But sooner or later, He's going to call you on the carpet. And so let me give you a little bit of background as we always do. Samuel wrote first Samuel up to his death. Then Nathan and Gad, the prophets of God, they finished first Samuel Uh, Concerning the life of King Saul. Now we come into 2 Samuel. It is written by Nathan and Gad. These are prophets of God in the Old Testament. The time period is around the 10th century uh, BC. During the reign of David and Solomon. 2 Samuel is considered a historical book. As was 1 Samuel. I want you to listen to the theme. Uh, David, the new king. He obeys God, yet David's pride will be his failure. And it's interesting, we've been speaking about the pride of man. It started with Lucifer, as we shared the last six weeks, back in Isaiah chapter 14. Pride is our downfall. Pride is what gets into our hearts, and we need to examine our hearts. We need to check our hearts. And so here's King David. And the beauty of King David is that he recognizes it and he repents. Again, if you've never read, you've never studied Psalm 51, it's a psalm of repentance. We will see David start in the Spirit, yet David's pride will take him down. We will see David start in the Spirit, turn to the flesh, and then return back to the Spirit. And I share that because we find ourselves in the same predicament. I start off, you know, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you Jesus, spirit of the Lord, and then all of a sudden, it could be a couple of years, it could be, uh, you know, five, ten years, and then all of a sudden I falter. And I get back into the flesh. And then conviction comes. And then praise God when we wake up, and then we come back. As the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us. I wanted to read to you something in the introduction in my Bible. The book of 2 Samuel records the highlights of David's reign. First over the territory of Judah. And finally over the entire nation of Israel. It traces the ascension of David uh, into the throne. His climactic sins of adultery and murder. And... Uh, David's pride are the consequences of those sins upon uh, his family and the sins upon the nation. And so David had a lot on his shoulders, and, and yet he failed miserably. And praise God that he came back, and praise God that he repented. Saul did not repent. He gave a lip service, but there was no true repentance And so we have a lot to study here in these two chapters. And we're going to start off dealing with the Amalekites. I mean, we see the death of of Saul, but he never got rid of the Amalekites. The Amalekites were a thorn in the flesh to the nation of Israel. When the children of Israel left in the great exodus, and remember there's two million plus, and they're 40 days in the wilderness, Or 40 years in the wilderness. It should have taken them only 11 days. And yet they meandered. And it's all because of their sin nature. And what happened is the Amalekites eventually came and attacked the nation of Israel from the rear. That's interesting. Because they attacked the the ones that were weak. The ones that were old. The ones that were bringing in uh, the end. God did not forget that. The Amalekites became an enemy of God. And God gave direction to Moses. The time will come when you go into the promised land and the time will come. I want you to destroy them. And that was Samuel's position uh, to King Saul. And we know that Saul did not do what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to utterly, I never forgot that word, uh, destroy the Amalekites. The Amalekites are a type of the flesh. If we do not destroy the flesh, it's going to come back and bite you. Trust me, I've been there and I believe all of you have been there. And the Amalekites are that type of flesh. And so let's get into the passages now. Uh, when you read First and Second Samuel, uh, the separations are there for us. But in the Hebrew writings, it's one book. There's no separation. And I thank God there's a separation for us. I thank God there's chapters and there's verses. They would just read it through. And so we have the privilege of having uh, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. And so now we begin in chapter uh, 1 of 2 Samuel. And and David receives the report of Saul's death. Now it came to pass after the death of Saul, when David had returned from slaughter uh, of the Amalekites, And David had stayed two days in Ziglag. Now remember, Ziglag belonged to the Philistines. And so David is there. It was destroyed, but obviously it was livable. And so David is there. The Amalekites had stolen everything at Ziglag. And they burned it down. But still David goes back with his 600 men. Remember that the women and the children were taken. And and Saul is going to be destroyed. The message is going to come to David. On the third day, uh, they're back in zigzag now, behold it happened that a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn, a dust on his head, and so it was when he came to David that he fell to the ground, prostrated himself, and, or he paid obeisance to him. Now it's interesting, there's a little bit of a different account And so this guy is he fabricating everything that's going to take place on your own. Go back, I'm not going to go there. In 1 Samuel chapter 31, verses 3 to 6 that we studied last week. Tearing your clothes is a cultural thing in the Middle East. And then throwing ashes on your head is another cultural thing. It's a type of grieving. And so this guy comes in, watch what happens. Verses 3 and 4 now. And David said to him, where have you come from? And so he said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. And then David said to him, how did the matter go? Please tell me, speaking about the battle. And he answered, and the people have fled from the battle, and many of the people are fallen and dead. And then he gives David the news. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, are also dead. We read last week that it pained David's heart because he loved King Saul. He especially loved his dear friend, uh, Jonathan. Is this guy telling all the truth? And he's thinking, I take the, uh, the crown, I take uh, all of the things of, of Saul, take it back to David. Is this what he's thinking? And then David's going to give me a reprieve? Or David's going to bless me. But David doesn't quite get the picture. And when you get to 2 Samuel chapter 4, uh, verse 2, uh, this guy is going to die. And so David said to the young man who told him, How do you know that Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead? I like this. Then the young man who told him said, As I happened by chance... To be at Mount Gilboa, uh, there was Saul leaning on his spear, and indeed the chariots and the horsemen followed hard after him. Now, when he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me, and I answered him, Here am I. Now, we know that Saul was shot with arrows, and we know that uh, he was dying. We know that he tries to uh, lean on his own spear. He did not die. And then it says here in verse 8, And he said to me, Who are you? So I answered him and I said, 'I, I am an Amalekite. Now that's a strange word, but it's a very important word. Strange because he's hearing who he was supposed to destroy. Maybe Saul would not have died. But Saul did not kill the flesh. And so I see God showing him at the very end. Remember you were supposed to destroy the Amalekites. And he didn't. And I think we can fall trapped to that. God says get rid of that, whatever it might be. And then we keep it. And then we wonder why we get into trouble. I've been there. I know you have been there. Notice in verse 9, he said to me again, Please stand over me and to kill me, for anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. And so listen to what the young man says in verse 10. So I stood over him, speaking of Saul, and I killed him, because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm, and I have brought them here to my Lord. Boy, is he kissing up to David. And so we know that the the flesh has come back to terrorize Saul, no matter what. But what did this guy do? Something about the Amalekites that's very important. They loved to take from the dead bodies. And then they would mutilate the bodies. And and so this guy was probably lurking, or was he? It doesn't tell us. I'm just kind of reading into it. He sees the battle, recognizes that it's King Saul, and he takes advantage. Do I just get the bracelets? Do I just get the crown? Or should I go for more? David will repay me. Throw a little ashes on. Open up your your coat. You know. And so remember now. David is being led by the Spirit of the Lord. But I want you to write it down. 1 Samuel chapter 15 verses 1 through 9. He was supposed to destroy the Amalekites. Samuel told him. This is from the Lord. It's very hard for us to grasp, but utterly destroy them. There's a lot of talk right now. Should we allow the refugees in? We see what some of the refugees are doing today. Now, you can easily say these are the 20-plus-year-olds, these are the 30-year-olds, and they're just mean and vicious, and they'll play the part. And then they'll come in and then they'll set up headquarters. Well, let's just bring in the children. Isn't it interesting that God would say destroy all of them? Because the children are going to grow up to be men. The women are going to grow up to, uh, you know, the girls are going to grow up to be women. And, and we just heard there was a, a woman that, you know, had the, the vest on and she went over there in Paris. So it's, it's a mixed emotion. Because we're not like that. But we're inviting trouble. And so, because Saul did not remove the Amalekites, it comes back to bite them. It comes back to bite the nation of Israel. In verse 8 of 1 Samuel 15, again, there's that word, utterly destroy the Amalekites. He brought back King Agag. I never forgot that. And King Agag was kind of parading. Hey, I made it. Samuel, Samuel the prophet of God takes the sword out from Saul and he hacks this guy to death. You look at the Hebrew, he chopped him up. He didn't just kill him. He wanted it to be known. And then he brought back sheep, remember? He wasn't supposed to do that either. And he brought back the choice sheep. And he said, for what? For the sacrifices unto the Lord. Uh, Be careful when we try to justify it. The Amalekites were known to strip the bodies. And that's, I believe, what this young man did. Therefore, verse 11, David took hold of his own clothes and tore them. And so did all the men who were with him. It's a time for grieving. It's, very, it's a very big time of emotion here. Uh, feelings are deep here. Remember that David loved Saul. Even though Saul was trying to kill him. I will not touch God's anointed. And David's men would say, Look, God's put him there. Kill him. He would not. And church, I want you to remember that because we're so quick uh, to remove somebody. We're so quick to come against somebody. And are they God's anointed? Let God do it. Trust me. I've seen it. God has a way of doing things a lot better than we do. And this is the case of David or the case of Saul. Notice now in verse 12, and they mourned and they wept and they fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son and for the people of the Lord and for those, for the house of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. David's love for Saul. David's love for Jonathan. But it's time to mourn. It's time to mourn for the king. It's time to mourn for the nation of Israel at this time. In verse 13, Then David said to the young men who told him, Where are you from? And he answered, I am the son of an alien, an Amalekite. Boy. If Saul would have done his job, Saul would have done what he was told to do, this probably wouldn't have been in the scripture. But because he didn't, it's here. It's here so that we can glean from it. It's here that we can take from it. In verse 14, So David said to him, How was it that you were not afraid to put forth, listen to what he said, your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Oh, powerful words. And yet, last week, David was getting a little bit hot. He went to get into battle with the Philistines to go against Israel and King Saul. And so David... But now David's not in the flesh anymore and he wants to do the right thing. The word anointed, listen to this, means to be consecrated. The word anointed is to be consecrated as set apart for God. You cannot remove the anointing. Only God can. Only God can. we've had assistant pastors that have left this church and I've had people tell me, you need to take their ordination papers away. I say, I will not. Let God do that. Because what's an ordination paper anyway? It's just a piece of paper. Either you're anointed of God or you're not anointed of God. And so be careful when we try to strip that away from somebody. And trust me, there's a lot of televangelists out there and I'm going to name some in a minute. Oh, Pastor Bob, you can't do that. Oh, yes, I can. And you go, Lord, how long are you going to let this happen? Let God take care of what needs to be taken care of. Notice verse 15. Then David called one of the young men and said, Go near and execute him. And he struck him. And so he died. For lying or for offering a bribe? Either way, David took him out. Why? He was not to touch God's anointed. And David had opportunities. Remember in the cave? And remember in the camp? And remember David, uh, he cuts a corner of the garment? And then the other time, David uh, takes the spear and the jug of water? And God had Saul to be asleep? And remember David said, Saul, my king, my lord, why do you go after me? Don't you know I love you? Look, I, I've got your stuff here. I like when he said, look at your garment. Imagine a big old chunk of the garment gone. And they never woke up. I like that. And so now, uh, this young man, I don't know what his his thoughts were. uh, You know, I'm going to be blessed. uh, No, you're not going to be blessed. And so David uh, said to him, your blood is on your own head. For your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. We are not to touch God's anointed. Let me give you some names. You know them. I, I don't like what Benny Hinn stands for. I don't like what Joel Osteen stands for. I don't like what uh, T.D. Jake stands for. And then uh, this guy, <laughs> Creofello Dollar. Uh, where did he get the name Dollar? Because he's, he's not about a dollar. He's, he's about millions of dollars. But uh, let God take care of them. Let God take care of them. Uh, for some of you ladies, what about Joyce Myers? And so they're all out there. And uh, the, the shut-ins, the elderly, they send the money to them. My dad used to do that. Bless my mom because uh, my dad would write out the $5 checks. And my mom used to tell him, don't, Bob, don't do that. Your son told us they're charlatans. I go, way to go, Mom and so I, my mom stopped telling him because he, he would keep writing them so my dad would not mail the letters my mom did <laughs> <laughs> she, said, she said mom aren't you afraid and she goes no when I would tell the mijo in the name of Jesus I would tell them. that's what she said uh, the problem was not removing the flesh. I had this scripture. I want to give it to you. Romans chapter 13 verse 14. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Romans 13 14. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Be careful with the eye gate. Because then we see it. Then we want it. And then the mind, the heart, the pride. All these things. And the society we live in today, uh, it it is just so visible. And it's so visible in the church. Now, we come to verse 17. The caption of my Bible says, this is called the Song uh, of the Bow. And it goes up to the end, up to verse uh, 27. It's poetry. And and it's a cry uh, for the dead. And it's interesting that David pins this, or uh, the the prophets pin it, but it was something that David did. And and yet Israel was so keen when it came to the weapons of warfare, the carnal weapons of warfare. And so kind of pick up on this. Remember, this is the type of poetry. In verse 17, then David lamented with the lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, uh, his son. Uh, lamentation in the Hebrew uh, suggests that they would pound on their chest and they would grieve hard and also or uh, on an instrument of some kind maybe a drum of some kind Uh, a type of mourning, lamentation, uh, a cry Uh, there was a time to do this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 there's a time for everything a time to mourn And then a time to grieve. And then a time to dance. And there's a time to let the grieving go. And and I share this from experience. Uh, I grieved for my mom. I grieved for my dad. But I knew that they were going to go home to be with the Lord. Still to this day has been a very difficult place for my sister. My sister worked with my dad as he was sick. My sister worked with my mom as she was sick. And she, my sister has this type of job that they let her take off time. And uh, so she spent a lot of time. Uh, if you go to my mom's house today, today uh, my mom's room is the same, exactly the same. And you tell my sister to get rid of stuff, and she won't. And she won't. Now, I, I understand, please... Don't misunderstand me. Uh, You know, we all have our little mementos and such. And and my mom was like that. My brother had long hair back in the 60s. And my mom still had his ponytail. I go, Mom, get rid of that gross thing, man. It has piojos, Mom. Get it out of here. Lice is the translation. (laughs) Look at verse 18. And he told them, Uh, To teach the children of Judah the song of the bow. Teach them. Not just the song, but teach them how to use it. And they were very good militarily. Indeed, it is written uh, in the book of Jasher. Now, on your own, there's another mention of the book of Jasher. And that is uh, in Joshua chapter 10. The book of Jasher is a Jewish historical collection of Israeli important events. It's not a canonized book, but it's good historical writing. And remember that in Joshua, when the the sun stopped and the moon stopped, okay? You can go back and study that. In verse 19, the beauty of Israel is slain on your high places, how the mighty have fallen. Who has fallen? King Saul, his sons. Jonathan, the one that David loved. But what about all the others that died? Tell it not in Gath, these are the Philistine cities. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, another uh, Philistine city, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. These were principal cities uh, uh, of the Philistines, especially Gath. And then notice now, this is a curse that Israel still holds on to today. David, in verse 21, O mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew nor rain upon you, nor fields of, of offerings, for the shield of the mightiest is cast away there, shield of Saul, not anointed with oil. And so in David's song here, it held the curse upon, upon Mount Gilboa, uh, because this is where Saul and the sons died by the Philistines. When the Zionist movement began back in the late 1800s, the beginning of the 1900s, they came in and to clear all the swamplands, they planted eucalyptus trees, sucked up all the waters. And then on May 14th, 1948, once they were declared a nation, they literally planted millions upon millions of trees. And that's why you see the forest today uh, up in the high country. And when you go to Mount Gilboa, in the northern part of Mount Gilboa, there's a bare spot. And I mean, nothing grows there. And they purposely don't go plant anything there. They keep the curse going. I thought that was interesting. And in our next trip, I'm going to make sure we go by there. And I want to see that bald mountain. Look at verse 22. From the blood of the slain, we're still singing the song, from the blood of the slain, uh, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, and the sword of Saul did not return empty. It's speaking of their military uh, preciseness. Uh, They were good with their weapons. You have to remember that Saul was, uh, uh, what was it, from the shoulder to the head, taller than anybody else. He was a warrior. And they feared him. Well, so was his son, Jonathan. He was an archer. And so imagine the lamenting. And then here's the song. Saul and Jonathan were beloved and pleasant in their lives and in their death. They were not divided. Even though Saul knew that uh, Jonathan was with David... And he knew he was backing up David. There was this camaraderie concerning the father uh, and the son. And it shows you there that, you know, think about Jonathan. He didn't uh, leave his dad's side. He stayed with him. Notice a description of their uh, type of fighting. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. This is David uh, speaking about King Saul and then Jonathan. And, and that they were not divided. In verse 24, O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet and with luxury, who put ornaments of gold in your apparel, on your apparel. Now, remember when they would take the victories, they would take the spoils. And they brought back the spoils uh, to Israel, and, and then they would share them with everybody. Remember what we shared? They took care of those that stayed behind to take care of the stuff. Very important. And They all shared in, in, in the taking of the spoils. David made sure he made it a law. Remember that. And, and so he's reminding the ladies, remember uh, all the ornaments and such, the gold and the silver tapestries and all of this that uh, came your way because of the victories that Saul brought forth and Jonathan. Notice in verse 25, How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan was slain in your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Now pick up on the language here. Your love to me was wonderful. Surpassing the love of a woman. This is where the homosexual community takes passages like this. And they say, see... David and Jonathan had a homosexual relationship. Uh, Let me just clarify one thing real quick. If David had a homosexual relationship, God would never have said, David, a man after my own heart. Never. Because the sin of homosexuality, uh, the sin of lesbianism, is against the laws of God still today. I don't care if we're in the 21st century. I don't care if we eventually get to the 22nd century and everybody says, well, we've arrived. This is an old book. No, you have not arrived. You're still in your sin nature. How can we change God's laws? And there are churches that are doing it. Well, let's jump on the bandwagon. Let's have a vote. Wait a minute. There's no vote. How can you vote To have same-sex marriage. How can you vote to have a homosexual pastor or or a lesbian pastor? There's no vote. You better look at the Word of God. And and yet, we're seeing it. In mainstream churches. It should not be. Now, let me give you some homework here. David said... Or God said David was a man after my own heart. You pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 13 verse 14. Paul picks it up in the book of Acts in chapter 13 verse 22. The psalmist picks it up in Psalm 78 verses 70 through 72. The psalmist also picks it up in Psalm 89 verse 20. Let me tell you something. Most of you know. uh, I don't know maybe 10 years ago. I, I buried my best friend. We grew up together, we were close as close can be. We played ball together, we slept in the same bed together. And there was never any homosexual relationship. We were friends. And I thank God that Mary and I were in California at the time. He had an aneurysm, he never came out of it. They called my mom to call me here, and my mom says, he's here. And so Mary and I went over to the hospital. I got to share with him. I got to pray with him. I, got to, I had the opportunity to lead him to the Lord. Uh, six o'clock in the morning, he was dead. And we had a, a bond of a relationship. And I still think today. And I've gone back and done other funerals. Even though we we're 850 miles away, there's still guys back there that we were, really, we were really tight with. And some of you know, you understand exactly what I'm saying. And, and to feed into this, you know, uh, is very difficult. Uh, you have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of a woman. Well, wait a minute. David has two wives. But he's talking about a relationship uh, between a guy and a guy. And remember that Jonathan kept, him from, kept, his, kept David away from, from his dad when he shot yeah. the arrows, Remember? And so there's a beautiful relationship here. You cannot go there. Let's finish it off in verse 27. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perish. David, this is a cry of lamentation. Uh, This is a song of the bow. If you study commentaries, they say that this is where Israel became warriors. They became fighters. Saul was good. David was a better fighter. David was such a fighter, his hands were bloodied, remember? He was not allowed to build the temple It was given to Solomon. And he wasn't any better. 750 wives, give me a break. (laughs) Don't even mention the 300 concubines. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 2 now. David anointed king of Judah, but not of Israel. Interesting the division starts here and eventually we'll see the uh, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. It should not have happened. I know that we had a civil war here in, in our United States of America and honestly I've been to Gettysburg and we walked through there and it's just so hard to conceive. How? Why? And yet I understand uh, you know, the freedom of, of the black people and such, and we're not to make slaves. I understand all that. But for, you know, uncles, brothers, I worked with a guy that told me the story that he had uncles on both sides. It just doesn't, under, I don't, it doesn't register. And so think about these things. And so now, in verse 1, 2 Samuel chapter 2, it happened... After this, that David inquired of the Lord. Please mark that down. Please understand that. He hadn't been inquiring of the Lord. That's what got David in trouble. Finally, when they said, bring the ephod. But David, you should have been doing that all along. And I think we fall trapped to this also. I start off in the spirit. And then I falter in the flesh. And then I find that I'm not reading I'm not praying, not fellowshipping. How many of you have heard somebody say, well, you know, I don't go to church anymore and I don't need to go to church. I can have church at home. Be careful with that. Be careful with that. We come, we fellowship, we break bread together. I tell you to turn the Word and you read and you share. It's wonderful. And praise God for live stream and praise the Lord for the radio and praise the Lord for CDs, but it's not the same. It's not the same. I never had anybody say, Pastor Bob, on your CD, man, you lost a lot of weight. What happened? (laughs) Doesn't happen that way. Notice that it says, David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, go up, David. He's in Ziglag. He's in a Philistine city. David said, where shall I go? Listen to this. Go to Hebron. Go to Hebron. Hebron is part of Israel. Hebron is not a Philistine uh, garrison, a a Philistine city. Uh, I want you to listen to this. David learned his lesson. David is now praying. David is now waiting upon the Lord. David is now trusting God. And that's Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord. How? With all your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. He will direct your path. Some of you know you wouldn't be here, even here tonight, if you're not trusting God, if you're not being directed by God. I know I wouldn't have been here. I've often thought, and I've shared this with Mary, I said, "If we wouldn't have gotten into ministry, just getting saved, would I still be saved? I don't know the answer. I don't want to know the answer. And then some of you that are here on Wednesdays, you're here, you're the ones that serve. You're not going to grow unless you serve. You're not going to grow unless you're part of the fellowship. Sundays is not enough for me. And let me tell you something. Back at Calvary Chapel, West Covina, uh, it was foreign to me. We never went to church on Wednesday. And then I went to church on Sunday night. What? What's wrong with you, Bob? This is what people were telling us. And what did they say right away? You guys are cults. I go, no, we're studying the Word of God. What did Jeremiah said? I found your Word and I ate it. I ate it. And so look what's going on here now. Verse 2, so David went up from there and his two wives also, Ahinoam the Jezreelite and Abigail the widow of Nabal uh, the Carmelite, he's married. And I know you can say, well, you know, there's guys that are married, they still have a homosexual relationship. Uh, People just want to justify the means. And David brought up the men who were with him, every man with his own household. And so they dwelt in the city of Hebron. Now Hebron was southwest of Jerusalem. It was the high ground. It's about 20 miles outside. Very important, David picked the high spot. And so he had jurisdiction. They tell you in a battle, to go get the, get the high spot. And that's exactly what David did. In verse 4, then the men of Judah... Remember, Judah and Israel, there's going to be a division here, uh, came and they anointed David, king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, the men of uh, Jabesh Gilead were the ones who buried Saul. David didn't forget this. It's comfort for David. David needs to know this. Because they, uh, they were known to mutilate the bodies as it was. They, they cut the heads off. And they put them on poles there in uh, Beth Shen. And so we studied that already. In verse 6, and now, may the Lord show kindness and truth to you. He's speaking about those at Jabesh Gilead. He says, I, I also will repay you, listen to David, with kindness because you have done this thing. David's a king now, he can do this. And it's interesting. <laughs> you don't repay your enemies. With goodness and grace and love and mercy. And so David's going to take care of them. A lot of respect here. So David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh Gilead. And he said uh, to them, uh, You are blessed of the Lord, for you have shown this kindness uh, to your Lord. So Saul, uh, and, and have buried him. What respect. And again, he wants to repay him with kindness. That was verse 5. I I skipped it. Look at verse 7. Now, therefore, let your hands be strengthened and be valiant, for your master Saul is dead. And also the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. David lets them know, I am the king now, and I care for you. But there's going to be a division. Remember that David uh, was anointed king back in 1 Samuel chapter 16. He was just a little boy. In fact, uh, Jesse paraded all the other sons. And he says, because the Spirit of the Lord kept saying, no, it's none of these. Is there anybody else? One more, remember? David, the little runt. He's out tending sheep. And here he comes. You know, probably all sweaty and dirty. And it was him. David had no concept. He was anointed then, but he's anointed again in front of the people. Very important here. They need to know. Notice now. Now, therefore, strengthen him. Ishoboth made king over Israel. So there's Judah and then there's Israel. Notice, this is Saul's last son. He didn't go to battle. He stayed. But Abner appoints him. And Abner did not go to the Lord in prayer. But God allowed it to happen. It's interesting to me as you study the scriptures, you know, we often say, "Well, Lord, why don't you stop them? Lord, why don't you just destroy Lucifer? Lord, why don't you just destroy the... The fallen angels, the the third of of the stars that followed. They have a free will just as we do. And so we have a choice. We have a free will. We're free moral agents. If God wanted robots, he would have made us robots. He wants to see your commitment. He wants to see my commitment. He wants to see your love. He wants to see my love. What was the problem with the church at Ephesus? after 40 years they left their first love God rebuked them for that and so this is why we come to church and this is why we hang tight together and we serve together or else the enemy is going to come in notice now uh, Ishboheth, uh, in the Hebrew it's interesting his name is man of shame I don't know if it's going to fit him let's continue here But Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took ish the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahian. And David is going to rebuke Abner for not guarding Saul back in 1 Samuel chapter 26. We're going to get into that. But now here's Abner doing something that he wasn't supposed to do. And so, in verse 9, And he made him king over Gilead, over the Ashurites, over the Jezreel, over Ephraim, over Benjamin, and over all Israel. Did he seek God? No. His Boeth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign over Israel, and he reigned two years. Only the house of Judah followed David. Listen to this. Only the house of Judah. Later the Benjamites uh, will hook up with David. But you, got, you have the 12 tribes. And basically David's only going to end up with two tribes. And yet David was doing the will of the father. Notice now. It says David ruled and then with, with Judah, but eventually he'll get the Benjamites. Now, in verse 11, And the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years, six months. Uh, it's believed that Ishboeth uh, served for two years, and Abner could have possibly served the other five years. We don't know. But David served seven and a half. Ishboeth in the Hebrew, man of shame. Uh, Abner was the cousin to Saul. And so, notice the division that begins. And I mention it because we're going to get into it as we continue. Especially in the Kings. Look at verse 12 now. Now Abner the son of Ner and the servants of Ishboeth, the son of Saul, went out of Mehem uh, to Gibeon. And it says, now I put a footnote here. Abner knows That David's been anointed. He has to know. And then it says in verse 13. And Joab the son of Zariah. And the servants of David. uh, Went out and they met them by the pool of Gibeon. uh, So that they sat down. One on one side of the pool. And the other on the other side of the pool. These are the generals if you may. These are the captains. And what you're going to read here is just hard to grasp. This is Hebrew against Hebrew, and it should not be. And yet God allows it to happen. If this is what you want to do, then do it. Then Abner said to Joab, the two generals, let the young men now arise and compete before us. You mean some type of game? Some type of contest? And Joab said, let them arise. Now, Joab, you're going to see this as we continue. He's a very cruel man. He's a tough general. David put up with him because he was very loyal to David. But David didn't like some of the antics that he did. He was ruthless. Notice, so they arose and they went over by the number uh, 12 from Benjamin followers of Ishboeth the son of Saul and 12 from the servants of David. Now the Benjamites will be called the fighters. The Benjamites were known for their military presence and ability. Solitarsus was a Benjamite and that's why they said he was so you know pushy and that's that's their nature the Benjamites that's the way they fought. And so, hard to understand for our Western mind, but this is Hebrew against Hebrew to the death. Think about that. And verse 16: And each one grasped his opponent by the head, thrust him with a sword in his opponent's side, and so they fell down together. Therefore, that place was called the field of the sharp swords, which is in Gibeon. How could it go this far? When Hebrew warriors are fighting Hebrew warriors. I've often said, you know, and I thought about it. Hey, why don't you two generals get up and you have it out. Let the rest of us sit by the pool and and we'll drink our Diet Coke or whatever. No. Notice here. And so there was a very fierce battle that day in Abner. And the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David. David's men took the victory but still it's a harsh victory but if they're not going to fight they're going to take them out now the three sons of Zariah were there Joab Abishai and Ashiel and Ashiel was a, as fleet of foot as a wild gazelle he's a track star okay and Ashiel pursued Abner and in going uh, he did not turn uh, to the right hand or to the left from following Abner perseverance he is not going to stop he 's a runner he's accustomed to running he doesn't have uh, a- any kind of protection doesn't have any kind of uniform. Watch this. then Abner uh, looked behind behind him and said, "Are you ashahil?" and he answered, "I am and Abner said to him, "Turn aside." Uh, to your right or to your left, and lay hold on one of the young men and take his armor for yourself. But Ashahel uh, would not turn aside from following him. He's just going to keep going. But I think Abner was trying to back him off. But it didn't help. He was determined. So Abner uh, said again to Ashahel uh, Turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I face your brother Joab? What did I say about Joab? He was mean. He was vicious. And so Asahel is not giving up. In verse 23, however, he refused to turn aside. Therefore, Abner struck him in the stomach with a blunt end of the spear so that the spear came out of his back and he fell down there and he died in the spot. So it was that as many as, as, many as came to the place where Asherah fell down and died. Notice the words here, they stood still. If you look at the, the Hebrew, they were in shock. And imagine uh, the brother, uh, he sees this, and this is David and Joab now. They stood still in shock. Joab and Abisha in verse 24, and also pursued Abner. And the sun was going down, and they came to the hill of Amma, uh, which is before Gia, uh, but the road to the wilderness of Gibeon. Abner's running for his life. And the children of, of Benjamin gathered uh, together behind Abner and became a unit and took their stand on top of the hill. And so a standoff is here. But then something happens. It wasn't in God's plan. Then Abner, verse 26, called to Joab and he said, Shall the sword devour forever. Do you not know that it will be bitter in the latter end? How long will it be then until you tell the people to return from pursuing their brethren? Now, New King James, the King James, sometimes very difficult. I want to read the New Living Translation. Makes a lot of sense. Abner shouted down to Joab, must we always be killing each other? Don't you realize that bitterness is, only, uh, is the only result? When will you call off your men from chasing their Israelite brothers? Call it off. That's what he's saying. And wisdom here. But notice as we continue, verse 27. And Joab said, as God lives, unless you had spoken, he says, surely... And then by morning, all the people would have given up pursuing their brethren. God knows, this is what he's saying, what would have been the outcome if you did not speak. Sometimes somebody has to say something in order, in order to move upon one's heart. And that's exactly what happened here. And so Joab uh, blows the trumpet. And all the, the people stood still and did not pursue Israel anymore, nor did they fight anymore. Oh, by this time they're all weary, they're all tired. Excuse me, they're all burned out, think about that. And Abner and his men went on all that night through the plains crossed over of the Jordan and went through all Bithron and they came to Manahem. Uh, they, they, they went through the Jordan Valley and they just kept going. And so Joab returned from pursuing Abner and when he had gathered all the people together, there were missing of David's servants 19 men. That's it. Plus Asher So 20 men died in this so-called contest. This sport event in verse 31 and 32, the conclusion, but the servants of David had struck down of of Benjamin and of Abner's men, 360 who died. And eventually the Benjamites will be on David's side, not now. And then they took up Ashel and they buried him in his father's tomb, which was in Bethlehem. And Joab and his men went all night and they came to Hebron at daybreak. This is not over yet. Joab will not forget. He likes to take care of business. And we're going to continue to see. Again, all of this because of the flesh nature. All of this because it wasn't taken care of. And it so easily happens. We have to learn to be uh, like Joseph in, in Genesis 39 and run from sin. I'm just as guilty as you are. The Holy Spirit says, Bob, you shouldn't have said that. The Holy Spirit says, Bob, you shouldn't have done that. And then you repent. Yes, we all repent. But I get frustrated. Why do I struggle with these things? Why do you struggle? And this is why in Romans chapter 7, the things that I do, I shouldn't do. The things that I'm not, I'm supposed to do. And it goes vice versa. Paul's going crazy. He goes, I did this, I did that, I should have done that. It's just like us. So the scriptures speak to us. We have so much more to cover. Let's all stand. We'll end with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for just uh, your word. As Isaiah said, it will not come back void. And Lord, I, I just pray that we would learn the lessons. We see the historical value. And we see the song of the bow. And Lord, but let us glean from the nuggets of gold. As they speak to us. And Saul was supposed to have taken care of the flesh, the Amalekites. And it came back to bite him. Came back to take his life. And so, Father, <laughs> it, it was so bad for Saul that he ended up uh, at the Witch of Endor. He should not have been there. And so, Lord, help us. Help us to understand and help us to glean and help us Uh, not just to be hearers of the word, but doers also. And so, Father, go before uh, your people here uh, tonight and go before those that are uh, listening to the CDs later, those on the radio uh, and those uh, uh, on live stream. Lord, minister to our hearts. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. Prepare us for Sunday as we get back uh, into the book of Acts. And, Lord, we just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray and we all agree by saying, Amen. Amen.